Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out. You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hi, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see everybody back here with us. We are live across all of our great affiliates across Illinois and Indiana. WJOB 1230 AM. Our great friends at Cities 92.9 FM, HCTV, Jet TV. And, of course, right here on YouTube, you can subscribe at Sports Talk Chicago. The Bears are done with their mini-buy. We are as well, and we are great to be back. Great to have all of you here with us. John Meadows is directing and producing behind the scenes. Just a reminder, you can follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. Find me personally at John Z Sports. Hit up our sponsor, Amish Country Farms. The link in the description of this video. And if you're just tuning in, subscribe to the channel. We have had a lot of growth over the past couple of weeks with how the Bears have done. This roller coaster of a season continues. We appreciate your interaction, your comments, your support. Uh, please hit that like button and subscribe to the channel today so you can get more of our Bears and Chicago sports content as it comes out. What do the Bears have in Justin Fields? I want to start here today. I've seen conflicting reports from different media outlets over the course of a couple of weeks. Even saw my good friend Mark Potash, friend of this program, say, what exactly do the Bears have in Fields? He wrote this in the Chicago Sun-Times saying, is this another Mitch Trubisky or is this a star quarterback? And to kind of piggyback off of Mark's point, I read the article, what do the Bears have? What do they have in Justin Fields today? Do they have another Mitch Trubisky in the sense of, hey, he had a couple of really good games, faced a couple of bad defenses, and then eventually got kicked out anyway and was deemed a bust by the Chicago media and fan base? Or is he really turning a corner for the better? Is this going to be sustained success moving forward for a long period of time? Fields, according to Bears Wire, USA Today, has shown, quote, impressive improvement in the passing game against the Broncos and Commanders. He's completed 67% of his passes for 617 yards, eight touchdowns, and one pick. Tied for the second most touchdown passes, 11 amongst quarterbacks through the first five games. He's thrown eight out of his 11 season touchdown passes in the past two games alone. And that puts Fields all of a sudden on somewhat of a pedestal amongst NFL quarterbacks. Head coach Matt Eberflus said this, quote, when you look at the growth that he has had over the year of this year, it's been really good. The steps he's taken the last couple of weeks has been where we all want it to go. He's done that. We just got to keep building on that, just being the consistent performer that he is. He's always going to work hard in practice. He's going to work his tail off to get that done. Putting himself in position, and us as coaches, putting him in position to succeed is paramount. He's done a good job with the last couple of weeks. we just got to keep building on that and being able to distribute the ball to different skills in our offense, and that's going to be paramount going forward. Remember, he's always going to work hard in practice. That's a classic Matt Eberflus quote. Said it again here. Just found that funny. Justin Fields has been two different quarterbacks over the course of five games for the Bears, and this is a fact. If you don't like it, then don't listen. Weeks one through three, 
I'll read you off the passer ratings week by week. 78, 61, 59. He threw for 99 yards against Kansas City. He had two picks and one touchdown against Tampa. And against Green Bay, he was milk toast at best. But over the past couple of weeks, things have dramatically changed. For three quarters against Denver, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Fourth quarter, wheels kind of fell off a bit, but his passer rating still stayed high at 133. And last week against Washington, the Bears' first win of the season, not good from the completion percentage perspective, but four touchdowns, no picks, no turnovers in general, and a passer rating of 125.3. Who is Justin Fields? And how long or how much longer must we wait till we know what the Bears have in him? Because this happened last year. We started the year bashing Justin Fields, and rightfully so, and they should be did the same because he was not performing. And especially in year three, it's almost unacceptable that he was performing that bad. But he turned a corner, things changed, things improved. And ironically enough, it was a primetime game last year. If you remember Monday Night Football, Patriots game, Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi against Justin Fields. And Fields, to his credit, looked great. We were praising him. I couldn't believe how well he played. And throughout the rest of the year, that sort of, sort of was a turning point for his season. He wasn't perfect last year, but that game showed, okay, this guy is competent. And I still think, and I've always maintained that he is a competent NFL quarterback. The question is, is he the Bears' future quarterback? Is he going to be a legit option for them moving forward as the franchise guy? And my take on this is still going to be the same. We don't know yet. We don't. I didn't think so the first three weeks based on his performance. I mean, he was playing worse than pretty much any quarterback in football. Now he's playing better than every quarterback in football. So I don't really understand nor know what to expect moving forward. But clearly Matt Eberflus, to his credit, we've been a critic of him all year, he did say something pretty important. That is sustained success. We got to keep building on that. We got to keep building on that. He said that twice. We got to keep building. We got to keep building. And that's the truth. The Bears have to keep building on what Justin Fields has done so far. If he continues to play well, if he plays like he played the past couple of weeks, the rest of the year, there's no doubt that the Bears are going to have to keep him. As they should, probably. Why not? If he plays like that, sure. If we see any glimpse of the first three weeks of the season, though, there's going to be a big question for them at the end of the year on what to do. Because In case you didn't know, the way they're playing, at least right now, and the way Carolina's playing, the Bears will have potentially two picks inside the top ten in this year's NFL draft. This is year three with Justin Fields. Now, I'm not saying you should screw him, kick him to the curb, say goodbye, but I am saying this. By the end of the year, you need to be damn sure that he's the guy or not in order to influence your draft day decision. You need to know... Deep down, okay, this is our guy. We're going to roll with him. We're prepared to even give him a potentially $250 million extension. That's the going rate for quarterbacks now. Maybe $200. let us go down a little bit. Still, a lot is going to be determined in these next 10, 12 games. And as a Bears fan, I'm excited because I want to see what this end result is going to be. I'm sick of living week to week, wondering, seesawing, and what's going to happen. There will be a definitive answer on Justin Fields by the end of this season, mark my words. It's going to have to occur. 
going to have to occur based on draft picks, based on draft availability and selection order. It's going to have to occur based on financial commitment and what the Bears want to do with Justin Fields all the way down the road and whether or not they want to extend him. I don't think it's out of line at this point in time to consider drafting Caleb Williams. It's not out of line if he's available. But if Justin Fields continues to play his heart out and plays like he did the past couple of weeks, the Bears are going to have a hard time saying no. And that's a fair point, too. I really am torn on Fields, and I'd rather be torn than saying, no way this is possible, right? I'd rather be torn than say, Justin Fields has to go. Being torn shows that there's promise, that there's potential, and that things could change moving forward. And I hope they do. I'm not always going to be for kicking some guy to the curb saying, F you and moving on. No. I want somebody to have the maximum opportunity to succeed. I want them to have a chance to succeed. And here in Chicago, Justin Fields, now in his third year, has an opportunity to succeed. Second-year offense, second-year head coach, second-year GM who chose to keep him, even though he didn't draft him. Fields has the opportunities to succeed. Is he going to take advantage? One more thing I wanted to know, too, about Fields here. And this is interesting. And this, I don't blame him for at all. Fields rushing this season. It's actually the worst it's ever been for him in his NFL career. Not his fault. That's not his fault. Right now, 39 attempts, 191 yards in five games. Averaging 4.9 yards per carry. Now, overall, that's still very good as a you know running quarterback or even a running back, per se. That's great. But last year, he averaged 7.1. Rookie year, he averaged 5.8. This is a career low for Justin Fields in terms of running the football. Is that his fault? Is that his problem? No. The Bears consistently are not using his running abilities well. Me and John just talked about this off the air before we got on. Design QB runs are not going to work with Justin Fields. He is best when he is rolling out in terms of play action then choosing to run the football, making plays out of nothing, avoiding pressure, scrambling, and running per yards, or simply Fields himself saying, you know what, I'm going to be a man here, I'm going to call my own play, and I'm going to run the football even though a run isn't called. That's when Fields succeeds most, running the ball on the ground. Doesn't work when... There's a specific QB run play called. He's getting three, four, maybe five yards if he's lucky. Man, that's about right. That's about right for Justin Fields, and that's about right for this Bears team when you have an offensive line who's so beat up and can t- continually can't protect him. When you have a backup center snapping the ball over his head every time, yeah, of course it's going to be hard for him to run the football and gain yards too. I'm never going to contem- condemn Fields or, or condemn um His numbers, from a rushing perspective, they're not his fault, in my opinion. I want to make sure I got that and made that clear as well. And I won't be judging his rushing numbers in terms of whether or not he should stay even. It's not worth it. I want to see how he does as a passer. I want to see growth and progress for the rest of this season. And the Bears have a decision to make, and nothing is definite as of today. Now, it could be proven wrong in a couple of weeks. He could do what he did these past couple of weeks for the rest of the year, and we're all going to be fine. The Bears are going to keep him around. They won't draft a quarterback at number maybe number one or number eight, nine at this point. They're going to keep him. 
and they're going to pay him eventually too. I have no problem with somebody making money if they deserve it. And if Justin Fields turns a corner for the better and this is permanent and it's not going to change, awesome. Great. I'm excited. But if we see an inkling of these first three games, there's cause for concern. That's why, as I open up this segment, Mark Potash said it best. Is this another Mitch Trubisky or is this a superstar quarterback? I think we don't know yet. Mitch had his run in 2020. Like it or not, he had it. But people and critics argued that the wins he had near the end of the year were because they faced, the Bears at that time, some of the worst defenses in football. Even some of the worst defenses in NFL history at that time. Bengals, one of them. This year, three bad games for Fields, two great games against bad defenses. They're still great games, they still count, but against bad defenses. Is this just a matchup thing for Fields, or is this legitimate progress that, that's going to get better? I saw some reports today on Twitter saying, hey, you know, the Bears are impressed with him. Uh, they're impressed with his pocket presence, with his footwork the past couple of weeks. They really think from a mechanical perspective, he's made a turn for the better. And I hope that's the case. And I think the numbers prove that there have been things better. Maybe less pressure, less pressing. Less worry because you're facing a couple of bad teams and you have nothing to lose, whatever the case may be, from a mental perspective or a physical perspective, he's doing better. And that's great. We need to see more of it, though, before we can definitively say, yes, the Bears should make a financial commitment. Yes, the Bears should refrain from drafting a quarterback. Yes, the Bears should stick with Justin Fields. I'm just saying it's not official yet. It's looking promising. Remember, it's two games against some of the worst defenses in football. And I know the numbers are coming out. Hey, he's on pace for 3,900 passing yards and 28 touchdowns and 20 picks and all these things. And if that turns out to be true again, awesome. I'm, I'm super happy. I'm excited. But I just want everybody to temper their expectations a bit. The Bears have a long way to go for the rest of this season. We've seen Justin at his worst. We've seen him at his best, though, too. We've seen what he could do as an NFL quarterback. We knew that from last year. Now we're seeing it again this year in a couple of games. But we've also seen him at his worst. We saw it last year. We saw it his rookie year. We saw it this year. Rookie year, I'm not really going to blame him for. Last year, second year in the NFL, trying to get used to a new system. This year, not really too much of an excuse. Especially week one when there were no injuries to report, really, besides Tevin Jenkins and the offensive line. A lot of things are still up in the air. And for Bears fans, although it might be tough to do because all of us, even myself, are so reactionary, we have to take time to let it play out. We have to take time to see how this develops. Right now, we've seen two elite games, with the exception of one quarter, from Justin Fields. Will that stay the same and continue throughout the season? Or will it be just a fad or a fluke? Time will tell. Nevertheless, the Bears have a big decision to make come the end of this year, financially and from a draft standpoint. Justin Fields has to show out or get kicked out of town. We'll be right back here on Sports Talk Chicago. Sports Talk Chicago, here with John's Glow, back at it on all of our radio and TV affiliates across Illinois and Indiana. Big thank you to Chad TV, WJOB Cities 92.9 FM, and ACTV, 
However, you can follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give us a like on there as well. John Meadows is directing and producing. I'm John Zaglul, hosting today's program. Uh, great to have you all here with us. If you miss any part of this program, we're on our second segment now. Go back and listen to the podcast. The podcast is going to be posted all over any podcast platform, the full show and segments. So in case you want to hear 15 minutes about Justin Fields or about Chase Claypool to come, you can do that pretty quickly. And um, it's very, very easy, very user-friendly. And if you're on there, you can give us a rating and review as well. Um, we'd really appreciate that. So appreciate everybody being here. And there's been some news in Bears Kingdom. It's not really breaking news, although I'd like it to be. It was breaking news a couple of days ago. We're finally getting to it now. But I've had some time to process this, and I think I have a well-formulated take. I also think there's going to be an epic rant incoming. Chase Claypool has been traded to the Miami Dolphins. The Bears traded Chase Claypool. Remember, they got him last year for a second-round pick from Pittsburgh, which essentially was a first-round pick because it was one of the best second-round picks in existence for a wide receiver who at the time was touted to be a big part of this Bears offense. Chase Claypool, in his time in a Bears uniform, had 18 catches, 191 yards, and one touchdown in 10 games. That was worse than EQ St. Brown. Even Bayless Jones Jr., who can't even catch a football to begin with, was more productive for this team at the money, at the rate in which he was paid, than Chase Claypool. Now, after issues, public falling outs, and comments from Claypool and company, the Bears traded him to Miami. The Bears traded Claypool and a 2025 seventh round pick for a 2025 sixth round pick. So the Bears lost on this trade with Claypool now, and they lost with him in general because they traded a second-round pick to get him. This was a Ryan Poles failure. You don't need me to tell you that, though. And this segment, candidly, is not going to be about bashing Ryan Poles. Um, at the time, not a dumb move considering the situation. The Bears needed wide receiving help. The goal was to keep Claypool around, not just for, ne- uh, for last year, but for this year, for the long haul, to be a certified number two and number three for Justin Fields, he was brought in to help. He was brought in to make this core better. And I've been thought week one, he was going to make him better. And he was going to do better this year, first year or first full year in a new offense. And all the different qualifiers you can imagine, I made every excuse for him in the book and every excuse for Brian Poles and the Bears in the book. And I thought rightfully so, clearly I was wrong too. This is not a Ryan Poles segment though. I don't blame Poles for swinging the bat and maybe striking out. That's okay. As a GM, you're not going to get everything right. Ryan Poles was dead wrong on two specific things so far. So far. Maybe three, but we got to wait till the end of the year. The two for sure, Bayless Jones Jr. and Chase Claypool. Maybe Matt Eberflus by the time the year ends, but that's it. He's been pretty much right on a lot of things that he's done. I'm going to give him credit. Pretty much right. Not perfect. Nobody's going to be perfect. But... More right than wrong over the course of his tenure as the Bears GM. But unfortunately for him, this Chase Claypool decision wasn't just kind of wrong, it was massively wrong. It was massively wrong, unfortunately. Brian Paul said this about Claypool and the situation, how it all panned out. He said, quote, you're always disappointed in this situation, and it's definitely something I take ownership of. Last year in the situation we were in, we wanted to add another receiver to the offense, not only to help us be more productive, but to also help Justin Fields take the next step. 
the right thought process was there, and I feel comfortable with that. He's right. I don't blame Ryan Poles for this. Unfortunately, Poles said, it didn't work out. We were hoping for him to be a little bit more productive and be someone that could help us take it to the next level. He said, in the end, he wishes him well. He wishes him luck moving forward through his career. Claypool retorted and said this, according to a couple of Bears reporters, and he said this just before he got traded, sometimes the things around you either elevate you or you have to adapt to allow you to elevate with them. So I've just been adapting to the new system and my new role in the system and trying to make the most out of it. Claypool had been the subject of public scrutiny because he did not show effort on run block plays, which we all know. We've seen that. I know he apologized and said the right things publicly to try and make amends. The fact is, he's a bum, and we said this from last year. I was wondering last year why somebody who gets traded into a brand-new situation has a great opportunity on his hands, just doesn't give a blank. And I said last year, this was near the end of the year, if you don't want to play, then don't show up. If you don't want to be here, then don't show up. Don't play. Let EQ get some snaps. Bayless, somebody else. Because you know what? There are other guys who are hungry enough and who want it enough to be on that field with the Bears. I don't care if you're some scrub on the practice squad. You would rather have that opportunity, and I'd rather see that opportunity than Chase Claypool. Look at Bajan. Look at Bajan as a backup QB. Nobody wanted him. Nobody liked him. He worked his ass off and got an opportunity. Why? Because he gave a damn. He gave a damn about playing for the Bears. He gave a damn about his performance and his career and being an NFL quarterback. He cared. There was care. There was heart. There was hustle. Chase Claypool had none of it, making more money, brought in via a big trade, And that's his response to coming to the Bears. And as Paul said correctly, this was not just a, we're going to do this for this year. This was a future move. This was trying to bring Justin Fields' help, support, going to the next level. He is 100% right in saying the right intentions were there. 100% right, because he was doing his best, finally, to help Justin Fields, to invest in him, like he did with T.J. Moore. He was actually trying. His heart was in the right place. I, I give him full credit. I don't even bash him for this. I bashed Chase Claypool for letting down Ryan Poles, letting down Matt Eberflus, letting down Justin Fields, and letting down this damn organization, and letting down all of us watching and hoping for something good to occur. I made excuses. A lot of people did, too. New system, mid-year trade, tough adjusting. Next year is going to be better. We all thought so. Then the Bears... Trade for DJ Moore. We think it's going to be great. Moore's in. Mooney's going to be back. And Claypool, that's a pretty good threesome at wide receiver. Claypool doesn't have to be the main guy anymore. He could be a number three or number two, depending on how he and Mooney do. And things are going to be great. Nope. Wrong again. Wrong again. No, he sucked. Then he was away from the team, and there was that whole miscommunication with Matt Eberflus in the press. Not surprised. That's been happening all year. And then look what happened. Now he's gone. Brian Poles, unfortunately, lost that trade. The Bears lost that trade. They gave up a highly coveted and a high second-round pick for somebody who had 191 yards in 10 games. Again, E.Q. St. Brown did that. I mean, E.Q. St. Brown had a career year, quote-unquote, with the Bears last year. He was inactive till last week. E.Q. St. Brown put up better numbers than Chase Claypool through 10 games in a Bears uniform than him, 
And EQ St. Brown's inactive on the bench in the doghouse, and Chase Claypool was playing there for a bit. Now, this is ridiculous. Now, according to reports, and you guys are going to get a kick out of this, Miami wants to convert him to a tight end. <laughs> it might make sense from a body type standpoint. He's 6'4", 230. I don't give a... This is bad. I mean, that's a really bad look. I don't care what anybody says. You could try and spin it in a positive direction, and of course the Dolphins are going to spin it in a positive direction because they're the Dolphins, and from a team perspective, you don't want to say, well, we acquired nothing, Right? You want to show that there's a reason why this move was made. And if that's the reason, that's a dumb move on the Dolphins' part. And that's a dumb move on Mike McDaniel's part, uh, surprisingly. I'm surprised the Bears got anything back for him, to the point that I'm actually impressed Ryan Poles got something in return. Because you know what? When you send a player home for insubordination and he's just inactive for no reason, not on the pup list, not on the IR, not even on the suspended or restricted list, he's just not there His trade value is absolutely zero. Zero. There is no trade value. There's no value at all. If he's sitting around at home, not coming to the facilities, not practicing, not playing for no reason. No IR, no pop list, no uh, restricted list, no suspension. Just, no, don't come to the stadium. Don't come with the team. There is zero value in that. So the fact that Ryan Poles got anything for Chase Claypool is a win for him. This is not a Ryan Poles issue. Good luck, Miami. He's your problem now. And if you're going to try and convert him to a tight end, wait till he starts complaining again about the fact that he's not being used properly. Well, you know what, Chase? I'm going to break some news to you if you're watching. You weren't used properly because you didn't give a damn. You weren't used properly because you showed up with a crap attitude and didn't give a damn about playing football. That's why you weren't used properly because you had the opportunity to make everything here. You, You had the opportunity. This position was wide open for you. You had the chance to make the most of it, and you chose poorly time and time again. Poorly. Beyond poorly. And look what happened. Your your stats were horrible. Your, Your attitude was crap, and you ended up getting traded. There's nobody to blame for your failure in Chicago but yourself. Even the old narrative, oh, Chicago's where wide receivers go to die, right? That's the old narrative. Not in this case. Chase Claypool dug his own grave, and now he's dead in Chicago. Chase Claypool did it to himself. Fields targeted him. He didn't catch footballs. He dropped a ton of them last year, and this year just didn't care. So he was targeted by his quarterback. He was endorsed by his GM. I mean, Ryan Poles gave up a top second-round pick for him, and he was put into the rotation immediately last year. The week he was traded for, the Bears started him. Eberflus put him in. There was no holding pattern or waiting. They just threw him in and said, let's do it. He had support from every single aspect of the Bears, from the front office to the coaching to the quarterback. Everybody supported him at first. And even this year, everybody supported him again. Even the media, fans, everybody said, okay, full year, training camp, this is going to be good. It didn't work. There is nobody to blame for this situation but Chase Claypool himself. Ryan Poles is not responsible because I don't think he knew what he was going to be getting into. This is not a folly on Ryan Poles. Like I've seen some people say, yeah, it doesn't look good, and yeah, the Bears lost out. But I don't, any GM would have lost out on this. Any GM would have looked like a fool after what Chase Claypool did here. So he's not at fault at all. Even Matt Eberplus, who I think might be gone at the end of the year, it's not, it's not his fault. 
He put him in first week to try and let him play. Didn't work. Not Justin Fields' fault. He targeted him many times. He dropped footballs and had no effort on the field. This is all on Chase Claypool. All of it. Ryan Poles calmly said, we all wish him well. We all wish him luck moving forward throughout his career. And that's it. I mean, what else is there to say? What else is there to say? Chase Claypool's gone. He's over. And uh, <laughs> the Bears really dodged a bullet. I mean, they, they, they dealt with the bullet, right? They dealt with the bullet, but they dodged it in the sense that it's over. It's over. There's no more issues. There are no more problems. It's over. So... I give the Bears credit for cutting ties and making a tough decision. And I hope Chase Claypool, I don't know, turns it around or something. He's going to be a tight end now in Miami. Okay. Really, the praise for this entire decision goes to Ryan Poles because I know how difficult it must have been for him to kind of admit that he was wrong, right? I mean, he had to admit that he was wrong in making this trade, but at the end of the day, he sucked it up. I have more respect for Poles in the sense that he admitted he was wrong, but he's not backing down, and everybody else saw it. And I think from a media perspective, from even a fan perspective, there are very few people tonight saying, oh, oh, Ryan Poles, you screwed up. No, I think everybody knows deep down this is not what the Bears were advertised. This is not what they expected when they made that trade. They were not expecting this. They weren't expecting 10 games, 191 yards, one touchdown, and that's it. They were expecting this guy's going to be a WR2 minimum or maximum, maybe a WR3, he's going to be a really good contributor to this offense. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. So, unfortunately, Chase Claypool's time at Chicago is over. Unfortunately, it ended the way that it did, but kudos to Ryan Pauls for making the tough decision, and kudos to the Bears for doing everything right. They checked every box. They treated Chase Claypool well. They had him involved day one in their offense. They cared. They played and, and let him play hard. They gave him the opportunity, and he squandered it, and he screwed it up. At the end of the day, he's the reason why he failed, and he's the reason why, at this point in his career, which started off so promising, he's being converted to a tight end with the Miami Dolphins with essentially no future in football. Farewell. Best wishes, Chase Claypool. We'll be right back here on Sports Talk Chicago. Sports Talk Chicago, John's Glow, John Meadows directing and producing one more segment to go here on tonight's program. Appreciate everybody tuning in across our great affiliate and syndication network, Cities 92.9 FM, HCTV, WJOB, and Jet TV. All of you guys, we really appreciate it. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button. We are growing rapidly. We're very appreciative of all of you for hanging out here with us tonight, talking bears. If you missed any portions of this program, go back, podcast it over on sportstalkchicago.com or on any Sports Talk Chicago and, and podcasting platform. You can listen segment by segment or the whole show straight up. It's all going to be there for you at your fingertips while you're there. Give us a rating. Give us a five-star rating and review. We appreciate that as well. We Love hearing from all of our great fans here on the program. Uh, we promised a Bears heavy show. First two segments were Bears, and the last one's going to be two. Bears are going to be taking on the Minnesota Vikings this Sunday. 
And this should be a game to, well, scrutinize. I'll put it that way. The Bears are going to return home to one and four teams at the bottom of the NFC North going at it in a barn burner to become two and four and to not be in last place in the NFC North. Now, important news of note, at least to start things, uh, to start this off, um, Justin Jefferson is going to be out as far as I know for this game. So Jefferson will not play, which is going to definitely limit Kirk Cousins and his ability to come through and perform for this Vikings team. Now, the Vikings, I think, overall are a better team on paper than the Bears, for sure. Certainly better. But they're just not playing well. They're 1-4 right now. Kirk Cousins is having a good year on paper, but he's fumbled the ball a lot and made crucial turnovers in specific moments. Alexander Madison, the running back, is running well. Cam Akers behind him also doing well. And they've lost, to their credit, I guess, a lot of close games. Every loss that the Vikings have sustained has been by by one possession or less, which is so funny. We talked about this before the year even began. And just so I could refresh your memory, last year the Vikings won the division with the same exact point differential that they had the year prior. That was the year they went 8-8 eight and eight and fired Mike Zimmer and got rid of their GM, Rick Spielman, as well. They were in the market for a new GM and a new head coach. Then last year, under said GM and head coach, they put up the same point differential but win the division. We all knew disaster was coming, and now it's here. A lot of the Vikings game, games last year were decided by one bounce of the football. Turned out they won all those close games, succeeded on a massive scale, and look where they were. This year, though, the ball's not bouncing their way, and now disaster is striking. Right? All the games they've lost have been by seven points or less. They even lost to the Chiefs last week, 27-20. Their only win was against Carolina, and they barely pulled that one out, too. Carolina was in it till the last snap. They lost to Tampa field goal by to Philadelphia by six points to the Chargers by four and their schedule is going to be rocky the rest of the way as well they're going to have two matchups against the Bears here's the first one I don't know what even to say about Minnesota in the sense of they have good numbers on paper but they don't win games and I really think more than anything this is a situation of not winning those close games that they were guaranteed to win almost last year. Last year, they nothing stopped them. Overtime, fourth quarter, they were going to do it. And Kirk Cousins actually had a career low year. Some of the highest turnover rates he's ever had, one of the lowest passer ratings he's ever had, and they just won. They won in spite of Kirk Cousins last year. He brought him back. He's doing great on paper. Made a couple of key turnovers in specific situations. Now they're one and four. Receiving's good. I mean, Justin Jefferson's a beast. TJ Hawkinson's doing great. And Jordan Addison, rookie wide receiver, putting up great numbers as a rookie. Already has three touchdown catches and 249 yards to his own right. They have quality players. They have a good running back. I know they cut ties with Dalvin Cook, but Alexander Madison has certainly picked up the slack. 276 yards, 4.3 per carry. I mean, he's going to rush for 1,000, assuming he stays healthy. So, the Vikings are a quality team on paper. Looking at the Bears, the big question is going to be, as we kind of alluded to in our first segment, which Justin Fields are we going to see this week? Are we going to see the first three games of Justin Fields, which is interceptions, fumbles galore, 
Um, you know, 70 passer ratings, or are we going to see the last two games, eight touchdowns, one pick, solid numbers, throwing the ball downfield, targeting DJ Moore as he should be? Are we going to see that? Because if we see that version of Justin Fields, I think the Bears have a real shot to make this game competitive and or win outright. The version of Justin Fields that we see is going to determine how this game goes, in addition to the usual things, right, like limiting turnovers and limiting fumbles, things of that nature. The Bears could easily force Kirk Cousins to make a mistake. Kirk always makes mistakes. He's always made mistakes. They could find a way to force a pick or two, strip sack or two, return one to the end zone, and make a difference in this game. I could totally see it. It's definitely within the realm of possibility. The question is, can they execute? Can they do it? The Vikings could say the same about Justin Fields, though. Fields is third in the NFL right now in fumbles. Now, he didn't lose all of them, but he's third in the NFL. He's thrown two pick sixes in the fourth quarter of games this year alone. He's kind of in the past as well. If they force Justin Fields to kind of be muddied up in the pocket, kind of feel a little bit claustrophobic, wreck his confidence, they could easily pull out this game too. The point is it's anybody's game. And the point is the quarterback play from both sides is going to determine how it all plays out. For Justin Fields and the Bears, if Fields shows up and plays like he has the past couple of weeks, not only will that mean more confidence, renewed confidence at Fields himself from team, from the personnel, from media, from fans, but also a chance to really win this game. If he plays like he did last week against Washington, they're going to win this game. And if they don't win it, they're going to come very close. It's going to be a one-possession game down to the wire. If he plays like the first couple of weeks, we're in for a long game on Sunday afternoon. And for Kirk Cousins, if he just holds on to the football and continues to pad his stats, they're probably going to win. Even without Justin Jefferson, it's not like they're going to be totally inadequate. I mean, Hawkinson and Addison are still going to be there for him as weapons. Madison's still going to be running the football down the Bears' necks like he always does. It's really going to be a battle of who shows up offensively on Sunday. My final score prediction as of right now, this is right now, I don't predict the Bears to win. I'm not going to pick them because I've been burned way too many times before. I think the Bears are going to lose this game 27 to 24. I think potentially a last second field goal by Minnesota is going to win this one, or maybe, you know, with a minute to go, they're going to kick a field goal. The Bears will get one more shot. They probably won't convert. This is going to be down to the wire, and I think it's going to be a close one, but the Vikings pull it out 27 24. Now, this doesn't mean that it's going to be a failure for the Bears, and I'm not going to bash the Bears if they play an all out competitive game, if they limit mistakes and they just lose. The problem's going to be if they lose by self-inflicted wounds, if Justin Fields regresses exponentially and goes back to week one or week two, Justin Fields, then we're going to have a problem. But if Fields plays well, generally speaking, and doesn't commit a turnover in a crucial situation and does his best to keep this team in the game, I really don't see a problem with the loss. And I'm not a moral victory guy, never have been, never will be, but the fact is this Bears team, for whatever reason, out of the gate, was not good, and they're going to have to do a lot more to build back up my trust and my expectations. As of right now, this is still a failed season. They could still change that narrative, but the fact is, through five games, they're one and four. They were supposed to be better than this. That said, with how bad they've played, my expectations have gone down. <laughs> and I'm not going to pick them to win when they played like this overall. They need to rebuild expectations and rebuild perception. If they win this week and knock off Minnesota, become two and four, I think that's a huge win for them. 
May not seem like it, but I think that's a huge win for them. Intra-division rivalry, going to face them again down the road. They have a good team on paper. They're just not winning games. They've been in every single game they've played. The Bears have not. The Bears have been blown out on national TV. So if the Bears win this game, it's an accomplishment. It is. I will give them credit for sure. If they lose, depending on how they lost, that's where there might be a problem. For me and for everybody else, too. I know I'm not speaking for myself here. You guys know that. If they lose and Justin Fields throws three picks, that's a problem. If they lose and, I don't know, somebody fumbles the football five times, going to be a problem. But if they win and everybody plays well, it's a solid game, great. If they lose and it's down to the final snap, fine, great. They played their hearts out. They got outplayed. They got beat. And that's oh, that's okay, too. Not going to kill them for that, either. So it really depends on how this game is going to be played and how it will go. That will determine at least my reaction to my perception, but really everybody else's as well. But I want to make it clear, if they win this game and get up to 2-4 and four and they beat the Vikings on Sunday, that's an accomplishment. It's not a joke. That's not a laughingstock type game. It's not like, oh, they're going to beat you know one of the worst teams in football. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice win if they could pull it off. It's a nice win. It's a quality win. It puts them at 2-4. and four. That's a two-game win streak going into the rest of the year, and maybe they find a way to get back to 500 or go 7-10 uh, or 8-9. Eight and, eight and it's possible. Things need to change, and they need to win. And it really starts on Sunday. So my final score, at least as of right now, again, Bears lose 27-24. Hope they prove me wrong. I'm not going to pick them for many reasons. And if you guys remember the first three games of this season, I think you can understand why I won't pick them. Really, the first four. But they could definitely win. They can definitely pull this one out. It's a winnable game. Two one-and-four teams, two divisional teams in the NFC North, two teams with something to play for. I mean, the Vikings are playing like crap. I mean, there are rumors right now, not joking, that Kirk Cousins is going to be traded to the Jets. Doubt it's going to happen, but those are rumors being floated right now. So just think about the chaos here. There's chaos up there in Minnesota as well. They're battling rumors. They're battling dumb stories and bad stories, just like the Bears have been. They've been battling that all year, the Bears have been, from day one. Both teams are going through turmoil. The Bears are in a better position in the sense of this was somewhat expected, but they're still playing bad. The Vikings, I mean, they're, they're probably panicking up there, as they should be. They're one and four. Maybe two and three, maybe three and two. We didn't expect them to be great, but we expected better than one and four and being dead last in the NFC North. The Vikings have more to play for this weekend. The Vikings have more of a sense of urgency this weekend. As a result, they're probably going to press, and they're probably going to play nervous and scared. The Bears have an opportunity. Justin Fields' competence is right back up through the roof after these past couple of games. He could go out there and sling it and see what happens. And if they lose and they play hard, who cares? Great. Awesome. If they win, awesome too. The Bears have an opportunity, though, to knock off Minnesota on Sunday. I don't think they will. I think it's going to be close, but a close game is better than a blowout loss, especially against a team that's your division rival and who's also one and four. Ouch. They're in worse straits and in worse situations than the Bears are. That's a fact. Don't worry as much about the Bears this weekend. Don't press about the Bears this weekend. Press if you're a Vikings fan because you've got a lot more to play for. <laughs> I mean, jobs could be on the line for all I know. I doubt it, but I'll tell you what. I mean, 
The Vikings turn out one in five, potentially. That wasn't on my bingo card. That wasn't on my playlist. The Bears doing it, it's more kind of uh, realistic because they always suck and they always hurt people and they always dumb down expectations. They always do it. So I'm hoping for a Bears competitive game at minimum. I'm hoping to see Justin Fields continue to grow. I hope that we don't see the first couple of games version of Justin Fields because if we do, that's going to be extremely discouraging. He has a lot to play for. Fields has to play for his future and his future contract with this team and for the Bears' ability to not pick a quarterback this year in the draft. He has a lot to play for. Eberflus has something to play for every week now moving forward. There's a lot out there and a lot going on. It's going to be a close game, and I hope you hang here with us when we stream the game live at noon on Sunday here on Sports Talk Chicago. Appreciate everybody tuning in to today's program. Again, a big thank you to all of our TV and radio affiliates across Illinois and Indiana, ACTV, Cities 92.9 Talk FM, AM 1230, WJOB, and Gen TV. John Meadows directing and producing. Great job behind the scenes here. You can like the video, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Sports Talk Chicago as we continue to grow. Follow me all over at John Z Sports and follow us at Sports Talk Chicago on social media. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We, we always appreciate your interaction and your support. And we are looking forward to weathering out the rest of this season with you all here on the program. Until next time, so long, everyone.